Welcome to CII's podcast, The Voice of Corporate Governance. While this podcast is open to the public, the majority of our work is only accessible to current CII member organizations. If you would like information on becoming a member of CII, please visit our website at cii.org or contact our Director of Membership, Melissa Fader, with her email, melissa at cii.org. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Professor Joshua Mitz of Columbia University School of Law. Professor Mitz is the co-author of a recent research paper entitled The Index Fund Dilemma, an Empirical Study of the Lending Voting Tradeoff. Welcome back, Professor. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Professor, your paper is essentially about securities lending. So let's start with some basics. What is securities lending? And what's the trade-off described in your paper between securities lending and proxy voting? Sure. So securities lending is, as the name suggests, the act of lending securities, which are held generally by buy and hold investors. So when you lend a security, you actually transfer that security to a borrower subject to what is effectively like a right to recall the shares back. There's a long history to securities lending that's probably for another day, but it basically emerged to facilitate short selling. Short selling is the act of selling a security which one does not own. To do that at a very basic mechanical level, uh, it's typical to borrow the security from a lender, sell that borrowed share, and then hopefully, from the standpoint of the short seller, after the price has declined, repurchase that share in the open market and deliver it back to the lender. Now, securities lending is essential to short selling, but it also poses important implications for corporate governance. Because while the shares are out on loan, because the record ownership of those shares has been transferred, the lending institution is not entitled to vote those shares. In order for a lending institution or an investor or a shareholder who has lent their shares to vote those shares, that shareholder has to exercise that right to recall those shares back prior to the record date for a corporate election. And that's why there's a tension between securities lending and proxy voting, because the more shares are out on loan, the more lending revenues an investor, shareholder, or mutual fund might be receiving. But that in turn comes with the cost of having given up the ability to vote in that corporate election. Now, Professor, your paper focuses in part on guidance issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission in 2019. Your paper states that that 2019 SEC guidance, quote, relaxed decades-old constraints imposed on institutional investors by previous staff judgments regarding share lending, unquote. So, Professor, can you provide some background and an overview of the 2019 SEC guidance and how it has impacted securities lending and institutional investors? Sure. So, for decades, the SEC grappled with how to facilitate securities lending which posed a number of challenges under both the Investment Company Act of 1940 and the Advisors Act. Uh, one 
simple challenge was that an investment company, a mutual fund under the law, is supposed to retain custody of its securities. The SEC had to, in effect, create a securities lending exemption, which would allow the fund to lend its securities, and which, of course, then raised the question, under what conditions? Can a fund just lend out its securities, or does it have to have a process in place or a legal standard uh, which would govern the recall of those shares? And what the SEC concluded decades ago is that boards of directors of funds and investment advisors are subject to a fiduciary standard when making the decision to lend securities. That is to say, if it would be in the best interest of fund clients for the fund to vote, then the directors of a fund, as well as the advisor, have a fiduciary duty to recall shares to vote in a corporate election. Well, this was the interpretation that the staff had given for decades. Recently in uh, 2019, August of 2019, the SEC issued commission level guidance, which specified that a mutual fund or an, or an investment advisor more broadly may exercise a, a very important form of discretion when deciding whether or not to recall securities for voting. The discretion is that the advisor or the, and the fund may consider the opportunity cost of lost lending revenues when deciding whether or not to vote those shares. What this means is that a fund can look at the revenues that it's receiving from securities lending and decide that in its judgment, those revenues would enhance the value of the fund, would be more beneficial for fund clients than exercising the vote. Our hypothesis, which is borne out empirically in our paper, is that funds as a result would lend more often prior to corporate elections. That is to say, they would vote less, exercising their right to vote in fewer situations, particularly when lending rates were sufficiently high. We point to an example from 2020, the well-known proxy fight around GameStop. This was GameStop circa 2020, not 2021 in which institutions controlled 40% of the shares eligible to vote, but only voted 5%. At that time, in the re around the record date leading up to this proxy fight, lending rates, share lending rates were extremely high. And we think that's an example of the kind of trade-off that the commission's guidance contemplates allowing funds to exploit. That is to say, the SEC has come forward with guidance, which says to the fund industry, in situations like that, you are free not to vote your shares. We think there are profound and far-reaching implications of that guidance for the fund industry, which ultimately have, a, have, a, have an impact on corporate governance more broadly. Thank you for being a listener of CII's The Voice of Corporate Governance podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also be interested in our third annual Corporate Governance Bootcamp program. Whether you are new to corporate governance or are looking for a deep dive in everything governance related, join us in partnership with NYU School of Law's Institute for Corporate Governance and Finance as we tackle the issues virtually on November 17th to 19th. To learn more and see our course curriculum, please go to our website at cii.org. Now back to the show. Professor, on September 29th, the Securities and Exchange Commission issued a proposed rule. It's currently out for comment. 
That proposed rule requires a fund or investment manager to disclose the number of shares that were voted and the number of shares that were loaned and not recalled before the record date of the vote. You've described the SEC proposal as an excellent step forward, but not enough. So please explain why you believe investors and others should support the current SEC proposal and how and why it should be improved. One of the biggest challenges with securities lending is just how opaque it is. Unlike the market to buy and sell securities, which is relatively transparent as markets go, securities lending is conducted entirely over the counter and very little transaction-specific information about securities loans is publicly disclosed. In our paper, we had to purchase a commercial subscription to, to a data set, which gave us security-level aggregate statistics, like the volume of shares on loan. It's practically impossible to answer a question like how much of a fund shares are out on loan? How much of a fund, a given fund, uh, how, how many of the shares held by a given fund were voted by that fund in any given election? And if you think about this from the standpoint of investors who care increasingly about environmental, social, and governance issues, it seems of paramount importance to know whether the funds in which your retirement savings are invested are choosing not to vote on issues that matter to you as a, an investor. And so ultimately, we think that this disclosure, at the very least, is a really important starting point for shedding light on this decision to refrain from voting in order to collect securities lending revenues. But it's not enough, and the SEC needs to go further. The entire securities lending market, as I said earlier, is, is basically opaque. We do not see individual transactions. We do not know which lenders may be exploiting, for example, temporary monopolies, which maybe they may be charging uh, more than they should, or they may be delivering a smaller share of their lending revenues to fund clients than fund clients might be thinking. We see there's conflicting reports in the industry as to how much large uh, asset managers pocket directly from securities lending revenues. Vanguard, for example, is adamant that they return 100% of securities lending revenues to the individual funds, whereas BlackRock has been reported keeps something on the order of 25% of U.S. equity revenue from securities lending. So there's a, 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 a tremendous lack of information concerning how this market functions. In my view, the SEC should go much further and impose the sort of mandatory disclosure on securities lending as exists today in sec for securities trading. And we've seen Chair Gensler indicate that derivatives markets are an important regulatory priority for the SEC. Greater disclosure for derivatives is coming. And securities lending is a kind of derivative. A lending contract is, uh, by its very nature, a contract which is derived from the value of the securities uh, that have been loaned. So if we're going to be seeing increased disclosure for options and swaps and other derivatives, it would make sense to extend that regime to the securities lending market as well. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank Professor Joshua Mitz of the Columbia University Law School. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff 
That's J-E-F-F at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.